During this Christmas season, if you haven't been a part of Sovereign Grace, so you're aware during this Christmas season, we have been focusing on how people have been really responding to Jesus as they've heard this announcement about Jesus, how they've been responding to that, and in a way in song. So we looked at how Mary responded to Jesus and how Elizabeth and John the Baptist, even in the womb, responded to Jesus. We looked at how... um, the angels responded to him, how Zechariah has responded to him. And tonight we're going to see another response to Jesus. Really a, a response in which another man breaks out in praise, this man being Simeon. And we've noticed things that have been true in every song we've looked at. And just so you know what those are, one, it's the Holy Spirit is opening blinded eyes to see the light of the good news of the glory of Christ. He's been coming upon all of these people. In every instance, the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and then they begin to bless God. The other thing we've seen is that when someone sees the light of the good news of the glory of Christ, they're in awe, and they break into praise. So we've seen those two things in every case. The Holy Spirit comes upon them, they see Jesus for who he is, and they become awestruck by him and break out into praise. And I want to make sure as we look at that, as we look at these songs and even the song of Simeon, that we don't miss something in all this. I don't want us to miss that the Holy Spirit is testifying to and the people and the angels are singing about Jesus. You see, sometimes we can get caught up with our own personal and subjective response and forget about the object of our praise. If we're not careful, we can begin to slip into a mentality that this is all about us. We can begin to open our Bibles and look for verses that we can piece together to tell us a story about me. We can actually, as, as I've explained to some people before, we can see a bunch of all these scriptures, whether it's whole books or chapters or verses, we can see them like puzzle pieces. And as we look at the puzzle pieces, we imagine that if what the picture must be as we try to put all these puzzle pieces together, what's the picture we're trying to make? And we imagine that if we flip the lid over on the box, that the picture we're going to see is a picture of ourselves. When really, if you flip the lid over on the box, the picture you're going to see when all this comes together is Jesus. We come to the text too often and look for ourselves rather than looking for Jesus. And it really is a colossal error. For this book, the whole thing from beginning to end is about Jesus. The Holy Spirit is testifying to Jesus. These people and these angels are breaking into praise for Jesus. And tonight... As we look at Simeon's praise of Jesus, this theme continues. So let's see what Simeon says about Jesus. I want to start there. And then at the end, I'll get to, so what do we do with it? Because let's just find out who Jesus is, what Simeon's saying about him. Let's look at verse 25 as sort of a setting here. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout. And look at what it says about him. He was waiting... For the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So Simeon, having his eyes opened by the Spirit, his Holy Spirit's upon him, is waiting for something. And what's he waiting for? He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. Well, what's the consolation of Israel? Because we hear that kind of term, and we go, what does that even mean? Well, this Greek term, so you know, is is the um, word that we 
you may have heard before, it's called paraclete. Some of you have heard that, some of you haven't. It's the idea that if you were to take the, the Greek word paraclete, para is like alongside of, and clete is this called out one. In other words, this idea that he is, he is called alongside of us. We often translate it um, as the word comforter. You guys know this word because in the Gospel of John, Jesus keeps saying what will come? Another comforter will come. Another comforter. This is another paraclete will come. Jesus is the first comforter to come, and another one is going to come who is the Holy Spirit. He's the one, Jesus here is the one who's called alongside of Israel. The word comforter, I think, is often a better word than the word consolation. Because when we think about consolation, we just think about being consoled or soothed in our pain. And sometimes when we think about comforter, we think about just being consoled or soothed in our pain as well. But the word comforter has a deeper meaning than that. The word comforter comes from the Latin. I don't know if you guys are aware. This is two words, cum and forte, meaning with and forte is meaning strength. So if you think about this, um, playing the piano or singing or doing anything musical is not my forte. Right? That's not my strength. That's what this word is, how we translate the word comforter, is this word with strength. And what Simeon's saying is he's waiting for the paraclete of Israel. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. He's waiting for the comforter of Israel. He's waiting for the one who will come alongside them with strength and who will speak tenderly to them, and who will deliver them and save them, and mightily thwart all their enemies. Israel had been in exile and under the rule of foreign oppressors for over 600 years. First Babylon, then Medo-Persia, then Greece, and now Rome. And they were in suffering and misery throughout this entire 600 years. And they longed for a deliverer. They longed for a Messiah who would come and overthrow the evil oppressors around them and establish the eternal throne or kingdom of David that God had promised. They're waiting for this Christ, this Messiah to come. And he's waiting for that. Look at what it says in verse 26 about this consolation of Israel, this comforter comforter he's waiting for. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. It's the Lord's Messiah. The promised one of the Old Testament. He would not see death before he had seen this one. This is what he was waiting for. Simeon is waiting for and longing for the advent of Christ. Simeon's waiting for Christmas. He can't wait to the first advent of Christ for Jesus the Messiah, to arrive, to console Israel, to come to Israel and speak tenderly to Israel, to comfort Israel, to come alongside Israel with strength and throw off Israel's oppressors and redeem Israel and save Israel. He's waiting for this one to come. He's waiting for the comforter who's promised in Isaiah 40, and we'll look there in a little bit at Isaiah 40. So Zechariah is waiting for this comforter earlier. And now Simeon is waiting for this comforter, this consolation, this Messiah, who would tenderly speak to Israel and save her. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 27. And he, that being Simeon, 
came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to custom of the law, what they're talking about here is um, eight days after birth, on the, or the, on the eighth day they would circumcise, and on the 40th day, or 33 days later, considered inclusively of the eight, so on the 40th day they would come to the temple for the rite of purification. So they had come for the rite of purification according to the custom of the law. And that's where they're there with Jesus, 40 days old. Simeon sees him, this 40-day-old 40 40 baby, he sees him, and he took him up in his arms and blessed God, breaks out into praise. The Holy Spirit's come upon him, he's breaking out of praise. You guys see this pattern over and over and over again. Holy Spirit comes upon them, Jesus comes into their midst. When they see Jesus for who he is, they spontaneously break out into praise and bless God. And we see it here again. And he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. See, now I can die at peace. I know why. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Joseph and Mary came into the temple with baby Jesus, 40-day-old child. And Simeon sees Jesus, and Simeon, because of the revelation of the Holy Spirit, knows this baby isn't just any baby coming in for this rite of purification. This baby is the comforter, the paraclete, the consolation of Israel, the one that he's been waiting for. He is the Lord's Christ, the Messiah. The Holy Spirit has given him eyes to see what he would not have seen otherwise. This baby is the one Simeon's been waiting for. And I want you to imagine this scene because here's Simeon picking up a baby in his arms. And holding a 40-day-old ba- day baby, and he's holding this 40-day-old baby, he's looking at this baby, and he's praising God, saying, here's my salvation. I've finally seen your salvation. Here he is. He's singing, I can die in peace now, for you've kept your promise. I'm looking at the Savior. Is this not the song which is constantly sung about Jesus? That he's the Savior whom they look for. Look at what happens with Mary. Go to chapter 1, verse 46. As Mary, chapter 1, verse 46, sings about Jesus, it says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Now look at Zechariah in verse 67 as Zechariah and his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied saying, verse 68, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Now go to chapter 2 and verse 10 and listen to the angel of the Lord's proclamation about this baby. And the angel said to them, verse 10, this is speaking to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ 
the Lord. Jesus is the Savior. And he is being revealed as the Savior, not just before Israel, but according to Simeon, he's being revealed as the Savior in the presence, verse 31, of all peoples. Now look with me at Isaiah chapter 40, because I want to go there, because I want you to see this is at the beginning here, this comfort, this consolation of Israel, who will be seen as the salvation before all peoples, not just Israel, is spoken of in Isaiah 40. And, and Simeon is really picking up on that in Isaiah 40. And then he actually quotes from Isaiah 52 as well. We'll look there in a minute. But Isaiah chapter, Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness. Now, now we know this voice crying in the wilderness because he comes up in Luke chapter 3. This is John the Baptist. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain shall be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. Now catch verse 5, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord is spoken. See, this comforter for Israel who speaks tenderly to her, who saves her, is coming, and all flesh will see her. This, see this comforter. All flesh will see him. All of them. Now look at Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 10. Again, speaking of this Messiah to come, we're going to start in verse 7, but I want you to know that, that Simeon is in fact quoting verse 10 of Isaiah 52. How beautiful upon the mountains, verse 7 of Isaiah 52, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. It's interesting, isn't it, that the first one who's the one bringing good news is Jesus. We see that in Romans 10 and we think, how beautiful are the feet of the ones who brings good news. We go, man, that's us as missionaries going out to take the good news. But the first person this is applied to is the Messiah, Jesus. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together in singing, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. Now here goes the quotation. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Is that not what Simeon sings of? For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, all nations, all ethnes, every people group. He's also quoting Simeon, by the way, so you know not just Isaiah 52.10, but 
Psalm 98 too, and I just read this so you don't have to turn there. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. Not just Israel, the nations. Jesus is the Savior of Israel, the Messiah, the King who's come to comfort his people. But Simeon's song does not stop with just acknowledging that Jesus is Israel's Savior, who is witnessed by all people. No, Simeon goes on to say that Jesus is, in fact, the Savior of all peoples. So it's not just that all peoples will witness that this Messiah is saving Israel. It's that he is the Savior of all of them, too. Look at Look at Luke chapter 2 and verse 32. Simeon's song goes on. After he says, my eyes have seen your salvation. He, that being your salvation, this baby he holds in his hands, is a light for revelation to the Gentiles. That's all the non-Jewish nations. And for glory to your people Israel. See, Simeon here is quoting from Isaiah 42 and Isaiah 49. But for the sake of time, and because we have all these kids in here, I am just going to read from Isaiah 49, 6. I want you to hear this because he's quoting it. This is the Lord speaking. He says this. It is too light a thing. He's speaking to his Messiah, the Christ who would come. The Lord is speaking to him, and he says this. It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. Did you hear that? That you would be the Messiah for only Israel, for only the tribes of Jacob, is too light a thing for you. I will make you as a light for the nations. That my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. So what is Simeon's song? He's saying that Jesus' salvation for Israel and for all peoples. Simeon realizes, because Simeon's been reading the Old Testament, because Simeon's been waiting for the Messiah of the Old Testament, the Savior that the Old Testament promises, Simeon realizes as he reads the Old Testament and as he sees Jesus as the Holy Spirit is upon him, and as he quotes here, realizes that Jesus is not just the Messiah or the Savior or the consolation of the Jews, but also of the Gentiles. Jesus came as a Savior of all peoples. In other words, the first advent of Jesus, which we call Christmas, was not just for Israel. Jesus came as the Savior of all peoples. He came to redeem every tribe and tongue and nation. He came to be seen as the Savior of all men. That's what Simeon's singing about. Jesus come to be a light not only to Israel, but he came as the light of the world who brings salvation to the ends of the earth. Jesus came to save you. You're a Gentile. Most of you, at least, are Gentiles. I... Probably hardly anybody in here is ethnically Jewish. Jesus came to save you. Whether you are Jew or Gentile, whether you are small or great, whether you are rich or poor, Jesus is your only hope of salvation. And Jesus Jesus coming as the Savior of all peoples is the consistent witness, not just of the New Testament, but of the Old Testament. So that's what I want to get at. I want you to get a hold of Simeon is not reading a New Testament. He didn't have one. So how does he know 
that Jesus, the Lord's Christ, is coming to save not just Israel, but all peoples. How does he know that? Because he reads his Bible, the Old Testament. Paul understood that. Listen, listen to what Paul said in Acts 26. You don't have to turn there, but in Acts 26, Paul's speaking to King Agrippa and the Apostle Paul, and he says this to Agrippa. Listen, to this day, in verse 22, to this day I have had the help that comes from God, and so I stand here testifying both to small and to great, saying nothing. Listen to what Paul says. I'm saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass. Now, I want you to hear that. Paul tells King Agrippa, I am saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses, the Old Testament, said would come to pass. And you want to hear that? What did the prophets and Moses say would come to pass? Listen, that the Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. Paul is saying that the Old Testament teaches that. See, we're all sinners. Whether Jew or Gentile, we're all condemned. As it is written, there is no one righteous. No, not one. That's a universal negative. Find that? That isn't not one except me. Not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they've become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified, that is, forgiven and declared righteous by his grace as a gift through the redemption, the being bought back that is in Christ Jesus, the Messiah Jesus. He's come to save both Jew and Gentile from the penalty due to us for our sins. Now that we have considered Jesus and Simeon's song, and not nearly as much as I would like to, trust me, I had all these Old Testament passages I had to cut out. But I, just tons. But I want to offer two applications for you by way of, of questions I want to ask you. First, here's the first question Are you looking to Christ as Savior and Lord? Are you looking to Him as Savior and Lord? See, I implore you to be reconciled to God through Christ. If you're an unbeliever, you need to understand something. There is a God. He is holy. He has given a law. You have rebelled against it. You are a sinner by nature and by choice. And God's holy, just wrath abides upon you. You are condemned already, though you don't yet feel all the effects of it. But you will, if you continue in your current state. You will. You will die, and you will not go to a better place. You will die, and you will suffer the just wrath of God in hell for eternity. I don't tell you that because I want you to be there. I tell you that because I want you to look to the only one who can save you from that condemnation, Jesus. He's it. He's it. He is the only option God has offered. There is no other. Jesus is the way. He's the 
truth. He's the life. No one, that's a universal negative. No one can come to the Father, but, here's the exception clause, through him. Hear that? No one can come to the Father, but, exception clause, through him. Jesus. He's it. If you're not a believer, I implore you to look to Christ to save you. You might say, I have a relationship with God. Yes, you do. You have a relationship with God, but if you are not looking to Christ, your relationship stands as one as an enemy of God. You might feel fuzzy about him, but he is going to condemn you. And you need a relationship with him that is reconciled, and reconciliation comes only through Jesus. That's why Christmas is celebrated by us. Because Jesus came to reconcile us to God. God reconciling the world to himself through Christ. He's it. You don't reconcile yourself to God. Jesus reconciles you. So look to Christ and be saved. What do you have to do? Look to him. That means turn from looking to yourself and look to him. And you'll be saved. If you're a believer, keep looking to Jesus as your salvation. I want you to be aware of this, believers. You don't, like, stop looking to Jesus for your salvation. Like, okay, I did that, and now what do I do? And I'm going to improve upon my salvation through my works now, right? No. Jesus is your salvation. You keep looking to him. He's all any of us have. He is our righteousness and sanctification. We don't just look to him at the beginning of our salvation. We look to him throughout our lives. Here's the second question. What are you doing with this good news, believers? What are you doing with the good news? Are you pointing others to Jesus? See, did you know that Christmas has huge implications to mission? We are not just receiving this great light of the world so that we can hide it under a bushel in a corner. I want the Spirit, the Spirit, this evening, this evening, I want to say this morning, right? But I want the Spirit this evening to use his word to grab hold of you for mission before you leave. And, and I want to do that by tweaking you a little bit. I want to look at a text that might throw you a little bit for a loop because it threw me for a loop when I was studying it. And I get all geeked out on this and maybe you won't. But I want you to look anyway because I believe the Holy Spirit will use his word. Look at Acts chapter 13 really briefly. Paul and Barnabas are out on mission together, going from city to city. And they, as they go out on mission, they go first to the synagogues all throughout the Roman Empire and, and preach the gospel in the synagogues first, point to Jesus as the hope of Israel first, and then they go from there out to the Gentiles and preach to them. And in chapter 13 and verse 45, we see this interesting text But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. These crowds had circled around Paul. The Jews were upset about it. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you threw it or thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. Now look at what he says, why they're turning to the Gentiles. I want you to hear this, believers, because this one threw me for a loop. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying... Now, what did the Lord command them? I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, wasn't that a prophecy about Jesus? 
that Simeon tells us in Luke chapter 2, Jesus fulfilled? Jesus is the light for the Gentiles that brings salvation to the end of their ends of the earth. But here, Paul and Barnabas take that quotation from Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6, and they say, the Lord is commanding us in the same way that he has said to us, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. See, we are called to fulfill this even though Jesus is rightly the only one who could ever ultimately fulfill it, because we're united to him by his spirit, we are his body, we are his witnesses, we are continuing his teaching and deeds in the church. That's why Luke, at the beginning of Acts, can say that in the first book, O Theophilus, see, when I wrote to you, Theophilus, in the book of Luke, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. That was an entire gospel laying out Jesus' whole life from birth to death to resurrection to ascension. And he says, that's just the beginning of Jesus' doing and teaching. Now that you're looking at this book, Theophilus, I want to show you what Jesus continues to do and teach, and he continues to do and teach it through his church. What an incredible privilege to know that a biblical prophecy, which rightly applies to Jesus, is also given to us. That's why Jesus can say, for example, that I am the light of the world. And then he can turn and look at his disciples and say, you are the light of the world. The Holy Spirit has come upon us so that we would make Jesus known among every tribe and tongue and nation. There are 3,000, I don't know if you guys know this, there are 3,000 plus people groups in the world who don't have the privilege of celebrating Christmas because they've never heard of Jesus. I don't mean the cultural privilege of celebrating Jesus as a holiday like we have. I'm talking about they've never heard of the first advent of Christ. They're never able to celebrate that. I got a letter actually um, here from Brooks Buser. Brooks Buser is a missionary we support. Brooks um, had the privilege of leading a tribe called the Yembe Yembe tribe to Christ. And Brooks left um, there recently and was back here for the last, will be here for a total of about a year before he goes back to, to the tribe to see them at all. And when he was leaving, a neighboring tribe came to him and brought him a letter. This is a neighboring tribe that doesn't have the gospel. And they came to Brooks and they said, we want to we give you this letter. And, and Brooks talks about the man who, who brought the letter that, that he, he was in a tribe that had heard that there were missionaries on the island speaking to various tribes and um, that had been with various tribes for some time. And this, this tribe had heard about it for quite a while, and the tribe had had members of the tribe dying off in old age and still hadn't heard this message, and they wanted some missionaries to come. And so they send this man, they get together all their money, and send this man sort of to the main city where Brooks is going to be. And he takes all the money he has, cobbles it all together with the tribe has. He goes there, he goes in the store, buys himself some clothes so he's not humiliated in the main city there. And he comes to Brooks, and he presents him with a letter. I want you to hear what this is. It's a letter from the, the Esau people. Here's what, here's what they write to Brooks to bring to us. I want you to, they tell, I want you to read this letter to the churches in America. Yes, I am writing because I have some things with you ones. I have a big worry that I'm not sure what will happen when death comes. I've heard from the other tribe that has the mission that they now know. I am sorry for myself that I do not know. I worry for my life, so I'm asking that you will send the mission to my village too. 
The men and women of Isahu Village, we are very hungry for this talk that it will be in our bellies. Please have pity on us. In all other places of the ground, we have heard that they have the talk of God, but us ones of Esau are still standing without, we have nothing. I have heard of others hearing this talk in other villages, but this talk is not in Esau yet. So please send some to learn our language and teach us this talk so we can know it too. Please have pity on our lives. We don't know what will become of us when death is on us. So I'm asking with a big, strong request that you will come to us and teach us of this talk. Our language is not hard here in Isahu. Please come. See, as believers at Christmas, we do not just give thanks for Jesus coming to save us. We're reminded that Jesus has come to save all peoples. And that he's commanded us to be about his mission of seeking and saving the lost. We are the church's Jesus' mission strategy. So I guess I leave you with two exhortations that Christmas should always remind you of. You ready? One, let Christmas remind you to look to Jesus as Lord and Savior. And two, let Christmas remind you to obey the command to make Jesus known to those people who have not yet heard, whether we are going or sending. For we should join with the psalmist and with Jesus And with the great cloud of witnesses in heaven singing, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For the Lord's Christ has come. His name is Jesus, for he is our salvation. A light of revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Let me pray. Father, we ask that we would be a people who look to Jesus ever and always as our salvation. That you would know that you have come, you've sent him to save us. That he is our hope, our comforter, our consolation. He is our savior and our king. That we need him. Help us to remember that, Father. Help us to ever reflect on the fact that we need him. And that he is a greater provision than we could ever imagine. And Father, help us to also be mindful to remember that there are thousands of people groups, billions of people who have never, ever heard of the first coming of Jesus. And help us not to shirk from the responsibility to be with your Son, the light of the world. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.